Got a bad taste in my mouth out here. Aluminum. Ash. I can smell the psychosphere. Fuck, I don't want to know anything anymore. This is a world where nothing is solved. Someone once told me time is a flat circle. On today's episode of Production Delay, Q and I discuss Casino, the 1995 American epic crime film directed by Martin Scorsese, produced by Barbara Dufina, and distributed by Universal Pictures. It stars Robert De Niro, Sharon Stone, and Joe Pesci. The film is based on the nonfiction book titled Casino, Love and Honor in Las Vegas by Nicholas Pileggi, who also co-wrote the screenplay for the film with Scorsese. The film marks the eighth collaboration between director Scorsese and Robert De Niro. Before we get rolling, we have a word from our sponsor, Quite on Cue. Quite on Cue is a brand new Twitch stream focused on role-playing games. If you're interested in watching some of the best stories unfold with an entertaining and talented streamer, check out Quite on Cue. For those looking for a more competitive stream, check out his stream on FPS Fridays, where the focus is shifted to first-person shooter games. Q streams on evenings during the week, usually from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. For a more definite schedule, subscribe on YouTube and follow him on all socials at QuiteOnQ, Q-U-I-T-E-O-N-Q. And be sure to check out his stream at twitch.tv slash QuiteOnQ. That's quite like right on Q. All right, everybody, sit back and relax. It's time for production delay. You know, I don't know if I could do this even if I wanted to. The Gaming Commission would never give me a license, and I have at least two dozen gambling and bookmaking pinches on me. You don't have to get a license to work in a casino. All you got to do is apply for one. The state law says you can work in a casino while they're processing your application. They got a 10-year backlog. Yeah, but, you know, what happens when they do find out? Why would they want to find out? We're putting $100 million into this desert here. Why would they want to lock us out? And besides, they'll never find out. All you got to do is keep changing your job title. Like from uh, casino executive to food and beverage chairman. And what happens is they take your application and they put it at the bottom of the pile. I know guys working here for 30 years that don't have a license. It's a tough proposition, Andy. You know, if I did it, I'd have to run it my way. You got it. I'm serious, Andy. No interference. Nobody's going to be interfering you running the casino. I guarantee it. Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Production Delay. Today, we are doing Casino. Casino was directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Nicholas Pileggi and Martin Scorsese, a runtime of 178 minutes. It was released November 22nd, 1995. It has an IMDb rating of 8.2 out of 10, a budget of $45 million, and a box office of $116.1 million. It was nominated for one Oscar. It's a Best Actress in a Leading Role Oscar nom for Sharon Stone. Again, the film stars Robert De Niro as Ace Rothstein. Sharon Stone as Ginger McKenna. Joe Pesci as Nicky Santoro. James Woods as Lester Diamond. Don Rickles as Billy Sherbert. Alan King as Andy Stone. And Kevin Pollack as Philip Green. Shane, what's up, brother? Dude, this cast is... This cast is... I don't know if it's just because this movie is older i mean it came out when i was five years old but this cast is so underratedly juiced and i don't know if like i mean it's a scorsese film like every movie he makes 
probably from like the mid eighties on, it's just has tons of talented people in it. But I don't know, just something about this cast, like snuck up on me. This cast is great. Um, Every time I watch this film, I tend to like it even more. And I, and I texted you this uh, spoiler alert. I think this is one of my favorite movies ever. And I didn't realize it until just recently rewatching it this time. I was like, there's not a moment of this movie that I dislike. I like it from start to finish. I think the story's great. Um, to me, we've always talked about this on this podcast. Where does it rank in certain types of uh, categories? If yes. we're talking straight casino movies and Vegas movies, this is right up there at the top, if not number one. Uh, I think the reason we love it so much, it's obviously you and I both love Scorsese. Love. But, but like you said- and This movie is so like- Every little thing is so classically Scorsese. Like, if you're a Scorsese guy, you know his directorial style. And this movie is, like, just a a master class in how he does his films. So people have criticized this movie because it came out only five years after Goodfellas. And people say it's a Goodfellas knockoff. And they pretty much just threw De Niro and Pesci back into this similar type of role mm-hmm. that they did in Goodfellas. But I think they place different characters in both movies, especially De Niro. De Niro's character in Goodfellas compared to his character in Casino is way different. And really, that's who we'll talk about this when we get into casting what ifs. But for those two parts, I don't think you should have anybody else in those parts. Maybe, Uh, you know, I, I think they got it right. And for me, it's not a it's not a Goodfellas knockoff. It's in the same vein for sure. But it stands alone as a very, very, very good movie. Mm, I agree. This movie's great. Like I would say it's great. There's as just well. no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. This is one of Scorsese's better films, I think. I agree. Uh, it's. I think it's one of his. I think it's his most underrated film because when you talk about Scorsese more recently, you talk about well, The Irishman. We just had that, but then you talk about yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, Anything with DiCaprio and him doing together, especially mm-hmm. The Departed and Goodfellas, what Raging Bull. The Departed. The Departed. They always come up. But Casino Man, to me, it does, that's, it's up there. It doesn't come up, but it is like, it's really good. I think that what kind of, I think The Wolf of Wall Street, I think, I mean, this is a Scorsese. If I have anything against him, which is very little because he's probably the best filmmaker of ever the generation before my lifetime, I guess you want to call it. I don't really know how to actually say. I think he's the greatest filmmaker in the last 50 years. Yeah. So, and if not, certainly in the conversation, if you have someone else that you want to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I would hold against him, which is an absolute minute nitpick, is I think all of his movies are are probably a little too long. They're always long. They're but always me, really I, long. Yeah, and he's so good, it doesn't really matter. It goes by without you really recognizing it. But I think upon rewatches, you can start to be like, okay, like, I need to get, like, this is three hours of, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but I don't think that it's a thing where scenes are there for no reason either. You know what I mean? It's a very strange, like I said, it's 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 a minute nitpick about him as as one of the greats. You know what I mean? 
I have a hot take. This would be school. like being like, well, Jordan wasn't a great three-point shooter. You know what I mean? It's just like, it doesn't right. matter. Everything else is so good. Can I admit something to you? What do you got for me? I think eventually you and I will will rewatch Goodfellas on this podcast. Oh. But I the think part, I like this. I don't this. want to run through all Scorsese Italian gangster movies early, though. We need to spread them out. I think I like Casino better than Goodfellas. And I'd be interested to see how I rate it. But from a rewatchable standpoint, I think I would rather rewatch Casino than Goodfellas. And that that might be a little shocking because I love Goodfellas. But I've, I, I've watched Casino a couple it's times tough. in the last year. And every time I watch it, man, I'm just like, damn, I really, really love this movie. It's great, yeah. Like The Wolf of Wall Street, I'm not a big rewatch of The Wolf of Wall Street. Like I've seen it enough now. But I go back into the well of The Departed, Goodfellas, and Casino a lot. I, I can watch The Departed every day. I agree with I that. think The Departed is, is, is Scorsese's best movie. I would debate you on that, but I don't think it's a crazy take to where I have to shoot it down. I don't think that – it might not be – and this is good because we're going to watch all of these. Um, it might not be his best directed film. Right, I would agree But it's it. the best movie that he's made. Well, it is the Oscar that won Best Picture and won him his Best Director Oscar that he was so robbed Incredible. of for years. But we're getting off topic here. You want to go right to the scenes? Yeah, let's discuss the opening scene. Because, I, I mean, De Niro steps out and this outfit, just Mike Breen, bang! Yeah, it's it, this movie sets the tone of what we're getting. We're getting over-the-top, outrageous outfits True. in Vegas. You know where you are. And you get all of that in five seconds. In five seconds. Just just the shoes, the coat. I mean, it's incredible. It's the incredible. The car he gets into. The car he gets, yeah. It's just, and um, then, and then, of course, we start, immediately, we go right into the classic Scorsese. Main characters are doing the voiceover of the story. Which I love. Which is, like, but that's what I was saying. Like rewatching this now, especially just being like more appreciative of film and directors, it's like this motherfucker. He's just running the same formula for, for all these movies. Run it back. Play <laughs> the hits. Play the hits, man. Here's but the thing, though. I've seen works. I've seen movies do the voiceover right, and they miss hit where Scorsese is able to do this voiceover with characters and nail it right. So you yeah. get it in Goodfellas, you get it in Casino, you get it a lot in The Wolf of Wall Street. Because it helps explain to the audience what's happening. Because the audience is there for entertainment. And sometimes they get caught up in the entertainment and they can't connect all the dots. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of moving parts in these types of movies, right? Where you have to figure out who's screwing who over, all this other stuff. What the voiceover is able to do, I think, for, as a viewer, it helps me connect and make sure I'm yes. understanding it the message. That, that it gives you the needed exposition that you... that you want as a viewer to understand the setting that you're in. So we get the next scene after Ace's car gets blown up during the credits. And he, then he says, why don't we go back? You know, we're going to, we're going to flash back. Yeah. And what we get is now we understand there's two narrators. We have Ace and this guy, Nikki Santoro. Yes, and Nikki Santoro. going to have dual narration. Which is, I don't know if he's had dual narration before, but that's why it's just like, uh, I don't think he has. So Scorsese. And um, so the thing here with this movie is Shane and I, when we do our podcast, we usually go scene by scene. The thing with this is 
there's just a lot of moving scenes. There's not a lot of sit down, here's a scene. It's kind yeah. of like intertwined. And I, I watch this movie because I own the DVD copy, right? Guess how many scenes are listed in this movie? I think you'll be shocked with the low number of scenes in this movie. I would say movie. it's probably a low number, which is nuts because it's a three-hour movie, and I feel like I just watched 180 scenes. 17 scenes in this movie. <laughs> So that's how much the narration moves this movie along and yeah. how we're just getting back and forth shots. So then we go, we see where we are, where the movie's going to take place. It's 1973 in Las Vegas. And we get this old school shot of the Las Vegas Strip. And um, we, awesome. get, we get introduced to Billy Sherbert, who's played by the one and only Don Rickles, who is like a perfect casting for just his small role in this nailed movie. It. Um, nailed it. And, and we get, we, like, the background of these two guys. Yeah. And we get uh, kind of I, what I, I wrote down this. They keep I like I like how in this movie they just keep referring to it as back home. And they yeah. do it throughout. They knew each other from back home. They talked to guys from back home. Some guys back home were sent here. But they never say where back home is. And I just kind of I like that. You know, there's like this is obviously Vegas. They deal a lot with uh, like the Midwest and St. Louis in this movie. Yeah, they mentioned Kansas City and St. Louis. Kansas City, um, but it they still consider like they just say, "Oh, you know, back home I did this, back home we did that," and like it's never really touched on where that actually is. I think you're supposed to assume it's like New York or the East Coast, but no, I think it's supposed to be it's Kansas supposed City. to be the Midwest. Okay, yeah, I yeah. think it's supposed to be Kansas City, and that's that's why I like this movie and. One of the big giveaways, because the first few times I watched it, I didn't really pick up on it, but Pesci has that Midwestern accent going throughout the okay. whole movie. Okay. Um, and I, but that's why this movie's special, because like we'll talk about it, but the little import store where yeah. the couple scenes take place, that. that's yeah. the Midwest. They clarify that. So uh, I think it's supposed to be Kansas City, and that's cool because it's not the traditional New York, yeah. Vegas type of Florida crime story. The KC mob was a... Uh, prevalent mob during the 70s and 80s, especially out in Vegas. So having that Midwest element is new for Scorsese, but it's also new for the viewer. How many Kansas City Midwestern mob movies yeah. do we get? Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, this one. Um, I love the back of the deli meeting when they're in the import store and the mother's cooking for all the bosses. She's like, you know, spooning out meatballs so and great. bread and they're all yeah. set up. It's perfect. That old that old lady is Martin Scorsese's mom. Get out of town. Yeah, so she's in Goodfellas. She's in this. Scorsese used to put her in his movies, and she's that's, awesome. uh, that's his mom. Um, so then we get Ace Rothstein out in Vegas, and uh, he gets control of the casino. And Pesci's character, uh, Nikki, says, "You know, gives give Ace something like this, and he'll try to turn it down." Um, and he's the scene that we open the show with. Right. Which is a great scene because he's just like it kind of just shows how he's a careful, methodical guy. Yes. He's not a, a loose cannon. And even though he's into this gambling business, like they, when they talked about their past, they're in like they deal a lot with like bookies and gambling and whatnot and sports betting, really. Right. Uh, some poker and shit i'm sure but i think it's mostly they come from a sports betting yeah background. so and, they, and he's like such a good better and gambler and whatnot but 
he they they talk about how he doesn't gamble for fun. He doesn't gamble like the rest of the guys. He gambles like what do they he say something like like a doctor, or a surgeon, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So this, the backstory is that Ace, played by De Niro, is a Jewish guy who gets tied up with the Italian mob because he's such a good handicapper. He was like nail. They say yes. he knows like the different hardwoods they play basketball on. If the if the quarterback was on coke, all this type <laughs> of stuff, he knows it, and he's made a ton of money for the for the for the Italian mob. So when the mob makes the move to Vegas, they feel like they can trust Ace because he's such a stand-up guy and knows how to make money that they'll put him in control of the Tangiers Casino. Uh, and the guy that we opened the show with that Shane played, Andy, says, uh, just keep changing your title and you'll be able to control the casino. So that's mm -hmm. why he takes the public relations director job. Um, and Nikki Santoro gets tied in with Ace because they use back home – Nikki was kind of like Ace's protector. Ace would make the bets. Nikki would go collect the money. Nikki mm -hmm. was like the muscle behind it. And we get an example of that in the bar scene where he's saying, you know, you hear a little girl, Frankie, when he's beating yeah. up. I mean, that's that's like classic Scorsese. Pesci Which is type of stuff. hilarious to me because it's like, <laughs> I love Joe Pesci. He's a great actor, but he's not a, like a, a bruiser. You know what I mean? He's, he's not five foot three. Yeah, he's not like a like he's not a tough guy. You know what I mean? Not but that he he's played, not tough in the terms of like intimidating as an actor across the table from somebody. Right. But like I just can't see him just like stomping somebody out. But he sells it to the point to where you have to believe it by the end of the movie. <laughs> well, he the does thing the same is, thing. He sells it when he's like if he's got like a, a weapon on him or he's got a team of guys with him or something like when he's the guy in charge, you definitely get it. You're like, oh, don't fuck with this guy. But right. when it's just like him one on one, you're like, all right, <laughs> come on. Like Joe Pesci. Give me you a, a little girl, Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Guy's like dying on the go. Uh, the throat with a pen. The next scene we see is De Niro pretty or Ace running the casino. I, I'll try to call them by their character names. Uh, Ace running the casino, and they have this Japanese businessman named Mr. Ishikawa who was there bankrolling the casino and he's getting ready to leave and Ace is like we can't lose all this money so they fake a plane breakdown to get him <laughs> back in the casino to make him spend more money Just I love geez. I love I love the, the part where Ishikawa's wins. yeah the house does always win I love the part where Ishikawa is stealing the soap and the uh, towels from the <laughs> yeah. room I think that's oh here's another thing I wrote down Ace smokes a cigarette every scene in the movie he's hammering lucy's dude he's just go <laughs> taking them to town dude he chain smokes the entire the whole movie. movie and this is like a point where like you could just i mean i know that you can smoke cigs in some casinos today some still casinos. but like this is a point where just every restaurant every casino everywhere he goes in the car it doesn't matter in the house yeah in the house just hammering away uh, we then get introduced, uh, we see the uh, crap tables, and we see this gorgeous blonde ginger played by Sharon Stone, who, and we are introduced to her as an audience. Uh, she seems to be helping um, another gambler win some money and scam the tables. Uh, she's pissed off with what he wants to give her as compensation. She throws the chips up in the air, and right away, you can tell that Ace is Ace. smitten with ginger. Yes. Falls in love. 
And I'm pretty sure they play like a a funny song in the background. The score in this movie, the soundtrack, the soundtrack's phenomenal in this movie. Forget it. Just forget Just it. Just forget it. Like it's awesome. I know what song it. they play too. They play that. Uh, My sweet baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a, it's like perfect. It's so good. Uh, it's so good. Then uh, Ace gets back on the voiceover and he says, starts talking about Ginger, how much he is infatuated with her. But her one big problem, how also before we get to her one big problem, she is a focal point of Vegas. She, everyone knows her, respects her. She's a hustler. She gets money to the right people to get what she wants. But we're introduced to an all time ancillary character, Lester Diamond, played by James Woods. All time ancillary character. She is in love with Lester, who is a pimp. Who is a yeah, uh, just just of a Vegas white trash. Yeah, basically. that's what it is. <laughs> um, and uh, they seem to have some kind of romantic relationship. Yes. And she, I don't know if she was like a hooker for him, and he's a pimp, or he just like got her. I think that's what it was. I, yeah. Yeah, because but... Ace does call her a working girl at one time later in the movie as mm. like an insult. But here's the thing with Ace uh, with uh, Ginger and Lester. I think Ginger is infatuated with Lester. I think Lester just uses Ginger to Correct. get what he I wants. I think Lester probably has multiple Gingers in his pimp empire. In his what do you call that? Uh, in his harem? Yes. His stable. His stable. His stable. <laughs> Um, all right. So what else do we have here? Oh, and then we get, uh, we get to be introduced to Nikki's family. Nikki's got a son. He's got a wife. And yes. the scene that I think is great that he's making his wife smuggle diamonds through the, through customs. In her hair. She's yeah. got diamonds in her hair. That's um, awesome. So, uh, so Nikki moves out to Vegas. Yes. Which is kind of where we get the feeling that although Ace and Nikki have a relationship. They grew up together. Ace knows of Nikki's volatile nature, and he does not think that Nikki moving to Vegas is a good. It's a good idea. Yes, he and he also knows that, you know, they came from a world presumably where they were doing things that were illegal, and he needed Nikki to be, you know, the muscle and the backup. But now in Vegas, he's totally legitimate, and he feels like he doesn't need that. So this added volatility is just a detriment. And to that point, the bosses back home, they feel that Nikki needs to be there because Ace is starting to get big and have a lot of things going on. There's rival casinos coming in mm -hmm. to try to whack out some of their money. So the guys in Kansas City are like, all right, we need Nikki out there to brush up against the other casinos and make sure people yes. aren't coming into our casino running the same scams that we're running in other people's casinos. Um, so then we get to this, the, maybe the most iconic scene in the movie, not my favorite, but maybe the most iconic scene. We find out that people are cheating inside the Tangiers hotel mm -hmm. and casino, uh, Ace figures it out and they bring the guys back into the back room and break their hand, break the break guy's hand hands. with a hammer. Uh, and then we get the other guy and Ace has a great line. He says, you can have the money you stole and the hammer. Or you can walk out of here and never come back. What's it going to be? But you can't have both. The guy just immediately, I like to leave. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's actually good at this. He folds. That guy's good. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that's a great scene. Oh, also, there is a point where (laughs) I laughed at this, where Nikki and his wife are introduced to uh, Ginger for the first time. Talk about this, yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, Ace and Nikki, assumingly Ace knows Nikki's wife as well. I'm pretty sure that she said, yeah, 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 because they all are from Kansas City together. And when they walk in, Ginger like comes around the corner in like this skin tight, like pantsuit or something. Sharon, Sharon Stone early in this movie, be, before she gets hooked on drugs, looks smoking. Yeah. Comes on the corner, and Pesci's line literally is, "Holy shit, what have you been doing out here?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great line. Like that's right in line. front of his wife too. Yeah, <laughs> and but even the wife is in shock about how beautiful Ginger yeah. is. Like you yeah. can see the look on her face. Yeah, that's a great line. Um, uh, I, I cracked me up. Can we talk about Ace's apartment? How cool Ace's apartment is, by the way? It's Vegas. It's Vegas gaudy perfect. Yes, it's Vegas in the 70s. Yeah, like, to the such max. A, it, like, so is all of his outfits. And, like, oh, the, I mean, the outfits in this movie. We're going to, we'll talk about that when we rate it. But yeah. Ace's suits are <laughs> awesome. You the could wear those suits. Electric. Those are, those are cute suits, man. I could wear them. I can There's wear those collars, but those cuts aren't in style anymore. That's the only difference. But do you just bring them back? Like, I'm bringing three-piece suits back with a vengeance. Just bring it back, dude. Um, Holy yo. shit, what are you even doing out here? <laughs> the one suit he wears, it's all orange. He's got the orange shirt, the orange tie. Yeah. The or- I'm like, oh, man, that's a cue. Uh, so we go to another scene in Ace's apartment. He asks Ginger to marry him, and Ginger pretty much says, no, I, love I don't. This scene. I, love I love this scene, too. It's so well acted. It's a wild proposal. Because she's just, I mean, go ahead. Tell, tell, talk about how she, he kind of brings it up like. Yeah, no, go ahead. Almost, you got it. He brings it up casually, like, yeah. but also seriously. And she kind of responds like, listen, like, I, I really enjoy what we do here. The relationship that we have, how we like hustle the, how we hustle the city together. But she's like, but I don't love you like that. Right. You know, like she is like completely uninterested, and Ace says to and her, "She's upfront and open about it too." For sure, and Ace says to her, "He, you're right. It's a beautifully acted scene, and this is where we see how different this character is than the normal De Niro character, right? Because in the few opening minutes of this film, you think Ace is this badass type of guy. In reality, he's really not. And he says nah. to her, he he's says, just a smart guy who's in with bad people, right? He's and not he's actually like, a badass." himself not at all and he says he just loves gambling and loves the casino business and he says to her i love you and i know that with time you'll love me too as long as there's mutual respect there and Mm -hmm. i'll take care of you and Mm -hmm. it's a proposition that she can't turn down because she's going to benefit from she wants the good life yeah yeah but to me like just if we take a step back, it's like this is a wild proposal, man. Wild. Like, like she's straight up telling you no, and you're like, nah, we can make it work. And you're like, what are you just gonna buy it? Like, and this is not- a part of why women control the world in a sense, because <laughs> at least with men, because he is so smart, and you and they've made a point to establish early in this movie how smart and good he is at his mm-hmm. job and mm-hmm. what he's able to do. And he throws caution to the wind. And makes the worst decision he's ever made. That pretty much starts the downfall of his life because he's infatuated with this woman 
And even though she has no interest being with him, he says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you type of thing. Yes. So he starts pampering her with jewelry, clothes, coats. It's Yeah, it's house. the lifestyle. Like, not just... Well, that's the thing. It's like he's showing her, I'm going to take care of you because I can offer you this. Every- like, that's kind of... He's hedging his proposal... Yeah, with the with the lifestyle he can provide, he's not hedging it with the relationship that the two of them are going to have. Correct. Which right. is for the our only thing young viewers out there, not a great idea. No, don't do it. Bad don't dating do it. advice. Yeah, bad. That's bad dating advice. Don't take your advice from Ace from Ace Rothstein on dating. So then they get married. They're at the wedding. She leaves the reception and is on the phone with Lester while Lester's with another woman doing all sorts of drugs, and he's on the phone with Ginger telling her that this was the right career decision pretty much to marry yes. Ace. Because he also knows that she's he, never going to not love him. And now he's going to be able to tap in to that extravagant network that Ace has. So and, Lester's hyped about it. He's just playing the sad, like, oh, baby, it's okay. Like, you made the right move. Like, you had to do it. You know, making her feel like she was a victim in all this when in fact or not a victim in all this making her seem like she was you know calculating where in fact she is just lester's victim lester might be the best scammer in this entire movie I, he, he he's just sleep he oozes sleaze he is he's he, so he, good yeah um and ace catches her on the phone and again he's just like this can't happen anymore like it's okay but yeah. it just can't happen anymore he's a complete beta in this situation and i think i think it's it's a decent way to approach it at the time because he's just like i know this was going on i know that you've had this kind of relationship whatever but like starting tomorrow cuz like we've got married today or starting today like that that part of your life is over so like say goodbye cry it out, talk on the phone, and then, like, we're going to start our life together now. Which and, I don't think is an unreasonable move on his part either, because I think he probably only saw this guy as, like, some fling from the past that maybe she still had a little bit of feelings for. Right. And then the next thing he does, after all that, he thinks he can trust Ginger. He goes down to the bank the day after they get married, it's presumed, and gives her access to the money to his bank accounts, and the bank manager says to him, you must really trust your wife. And he says, yeah, of course I do. And the bank manager says, I've never seen one of my clients trust anybody this much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which that- is what we like to call in story business <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> That's how you write that in. Um, so then we have, to, we have another scene where Ace has to change his title in order to keep control of the casino. So he now changes his title from what was he, public relations director to now food and beverage director, which yes. I just love that he keeps switching his titles throughout the movie. Which is uh, just a food and beverage director is definitely not a title. No, not at all. <laughs> food and beverage director? Like, yeah, it doesn't make any wouldn't sense. Wouldn't it be like manager of uh, food and be- I don't know. But anyway, then we get another iconic scene. There's a guy in there who's buddies with Nikki. Seems like a local guy. He's got his boots off, his feet on the table, playing cards. And he says some disparaging things to Ace. And Nikki gets on the phone and says, you, you better figure out who you're talking to. Like, this is Ace Rothstein. You better respect him. And it's a yeah. very good scene by Pesci. It's a great scene by both of them, too, because I think it, again, it reinforces the fact that Ace is an intelligent guy. He knows that this dude is connected and he shouldn't kick him out. But he knows on the back end he can get his boy to back him up. So he takes the hit initially to win the game in the long end. 
and at this point, Nikki and Ace are boys. There's yeah. their, their relationship boys. is still working. And there's a scene yeah. that indicates how well they're working together. When remember the two guys go up to the window and they're trying to run a scam and Nikki comes over and he's like, Oh, that guy just left. Yeah, yes. like there's something good going on here. And Ace looks over at Nikki and gives him like a smile and a head nod, like, all yeah. right, this is actually working out better than I thought. Yes. And then so at the same time that we see Nikki or excuse me, Ace continue to grow as the casino manager and the casino grows in the city itself. We follow Nikki kind of grow up and become like a mob boss in Vegas. Yeah. He's, he's is, the big dog in town because, and the way they describe it is like Vegas didn't really have a mob presence. Not before yet. Yeah. That. So he kind of uses all of his expertise and his experience from being back home to kind of just establish being a mob presence without being really connected to Ace. And, you know, like they're connected on the back end, but right. not up front, uh, but not up front, which is great for both of them because they have the capital on one side and they have the enforcement on the other. So really, it's just a super extrapolated out version of what they did back home where, you know, Ace ran the money and the numbers and Nikki was the muscle and was the enforcer. So it's kind of followed the story follows these guys doing it small time to now they're both doing it on the highest level. That's a great point. I didn't even like connect that, but you're a hundred percent right. That's a beautiful point. And um, I think that that like, even to your point of how much Nikki likes Vegas, there's the scene where he go where Ace is doing the voiceover and he says, yeah, Nikki had a foolproof system. When he gambled and won, he collected. When he gambled and lost on sports, uh, he just didn't pay anybody. Because yeah. <laughs> he was Nikki and he didn't have to. Uh, you get a quick scene that I love. They're at a party, Ace and Ginger, and a young kid who just started working at the casino says, you're a very lucky man, Mr. Rothstein, and calls Ginger beautiful. And then the next day, Ace fires him fires. for calling her beautiful, which yeah. I think is great. <laughs> uh the next big scene is kind of where we start to see that things aren't all as what we seem uh there's heat starting to come down on nikki a little bit for what he's doing he gets banned from all the casinos and they meet at this like way out desert bar which is a really yeah. good scene by both which of them. has a sign on it that says like exactly 60 miles from Vay or what like yeah just to, like, like for like the obvious point of meeting there outside of las vegas uh, law enforcement jurisdiction. Right. And then uh, Nikki gets banned from all the casinos. So he has to kind of change his business practices. So he gets his brother uh, Dominic out there with his boy Frankie. And they mm -hmm. start their own little crew in Vegas. And they oh. start robbing people's houses, people's hotel rooms. Yeah, they go full-blown gangster. Yeah, full-blown gangster. If we, can't, if we can't be in the casino, we're going full-blown gangster. They've left the casino. They've left the sports gambling behind. Now they're robbing houses, uh, robbing hotel rooms. And what I think is a great part, they have like little moles in each casino that call them and say, hey, the Joneses know. just left. Yeah. Come on and take all their shit. Yeah. Uh, and they this open guy just their walked own. out with a bag of cash and he's going home. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Get him on the way, you know. He opens his own jewelry store called the Gold Rush, and he has a big passion for restaurants. So he opens a restaurant called the Leaning Tower, which is just a great movie name for an Italian restaurant. Um, and <laughs> That's then a restaurant you could run, Kevin. Yes, I would love to run that also, restaurant. Quickly, Frank Vincent who plays Frank Marino is phenomenal. Yeah. This movie. He's awesome. He's good in everything. This guy, this guy's good in everything. I love him. In these he also hasn't aged since apparently 1985. 
He looks the same as he, he did in, exactly in Raging same. Bull in 1980 as he did when he played Phil Leotardo on The Sopranos 25 years later. The exact same guy. Um, then we get a great scene, and it shows how brutal Nikki has become. There's a guy named Tony Dogs, and Nikki puts his head in a vice uh, and pops his eyeball out of his head. You didn't yep. say a word for Charlie M. Like, that's just <laughs> awesome. Uh, Charlie M. And the voiceover comes over, and Ace says, it was clear to everyone that Nikki was the new boss of Las Vegas. Yes. He was he was running the town because he wasn't afraid to go there and put people's heads in a vice. He kills that woman uh that that's was, later, that, yeah. Yeah, that that's was later. gonna yeah, that's a little later, but yeah, like we'll that, talk about that's that. kind of like how they it's just this like is, all right, he's gone off the deep end. That's where he goes off the deep end. This is still like he's just showing that he's kind of the mob boss in Vegas. Uh and then the next scene is where the downfall actually starts. With all the shit Nikki's doing, they would still have been fine because they had most of the law enforcement in their pocket anyway. But Ace is upset that there is a scam going. There was a scam going on in the casino. Three slot machines hit all within like twenty minutes of each other. Yep. The guy on the floor who's working for him didn't pick up on it. Come to find out, that guy is the county commissioner's brother-in-law. Ace fires him. And this is the start of the downfall for Ace because now he's got the politicians and the media trying to call out what he's doing in Vegas. Yes. What everybody knew was going on, nobody made public until this heat started coming on him. Uh, and right after he fires the guy, we get a great scene, though, the blueberry muffin scene where he's oh my pissed God. about how many blueberries. I have it written down and circled here in my notes. Yeah. He goes back to the, I want you to put an equal amount of blueberries in every muffin. You, you understand know how me? long an that's going to take? Then the chef is just like, do you know how long that's going to take? <laughs> that's a good scene. So good. But um, that just kind of shows like the psychotic uh, investment he has, like not necessarily micromanagement, but the awareness that he has in the organization that he's running. And that's why it's said that he has the most profitable casino in Vegas. Like he, if he could have just stuck to the legal business of it without getting involved with Nikki and getting involved in his personal shit with Ginger, he would have been a Vegas guy for 50 years, it seemed like. So the next scene, we get the first real glimpse of Ginger starting to be real shady around Ace. She comes home and she says, I need 25K. She won't tell him for what. Ace is suspicious. So he gives her the 40, uh, the 25K. And she is, I feel like he is very reasonable in his ask here. Yes. And he's just like, no, it's like, you know, it's just a lot of money. Like, And he's not combative at all. She immediately tries to make it an argument right. he keeps diffusing it said like this isn't an argument i'm not yelling at you i'm not arguing i'm asking a simple question what is it for right and she, and won't she will not give him a straight answer so he does give her the 25k but in giving her the 25k he calls up nikki and says hey you have to follow ginger uh nikki does follow ginger to a diner where she meets with lester and we get a phenomenal scene probably one of the more iconic scenes in this movie uh, Ginger is at the diner with Lester giving him the 25k that he asked for and Ace walks in and all of a sudden you can see one of Ace's guys guarding each exit of Every this diner. Every exit is covered. Lester is not leaving this diner. Sweating. Uh, so Ace takes the money back, tells Lester to beat it, gives Ginger some shit pretty much saying like I told you not to talk to this guy here you are again this is what you needed the 25k for and Lester goes outside and gets his ass kicked in the parking lot by all the guys from the casino. It's a great, it's a great scene. 
Yeah, it's and I it's mean, well James, acted. Yeah, it's uh, well James acted Woods crushes it in this scene. The the way he flips from being so confident in his scheme working and the sleaze mm. that he's like, oh, I'm getting 25 grand out of this girl that I don't even see anymore. Like I got her hooked to the fear that just switches as soon as Ace sits down. He crushes this scene, man. James Wood said to Scorsese when they were film when they were casting this movie, he said, I will work for you any place, anytime, anywhere for any dollar amount you want to give me. So that's why he got this part. Uh, and he's a good actor, obviously. But yeah. uh, the next scene, we get Ginger and Nick alone together for the first time. And Ginger starts to cry on Nicky's shoulder a little bit. And that's where you start to see a little bit of a flirtation between Ginger and Nick. And that maybe Nick is playing both sides of the fence here and kind of flirting with his best friends. Uh, I think wife he's playing both sides of the fence. I think that Ginger is also just like comes from the hustling and whoring world. So she knows she can get him to come to her side if she is a little, you know, promiscuous. Yeah. And they mentioned that later. We'll talk about it. Frankie and Nikki talk about that. But yeah, for sure. Uh, we get a great scene with uh, the county commissioner Webb meeting Ace in his office, trying to get his son-in-law's or brother-in-law's job back. Yep. And De Niro sitting, Ace is sitting at the desk with no pants on. He gets up and puts <laughs> the, the the blue matching pants on with the shirt. I, I always like that scene. Um, pretty much, Ace says, "No, we're not hiring him back." And from there, the county commissioner has a vendetta against Ace to pretty yes. Much bring him and down. he also like I think it's good that it wasn't. That is a good scene between two guys in a scenario who have a lot of power and they just have a respectful discourse you know a lot of a lot of people like if nikki's in that room he blows up on that guy right a hundred percent and i think that's a different side of it yeah so and i it's it's just good to see i think that movies sometimes try to just add drama where they can throw it in yeah, and I think this scene did but a great job. But this is a really good – Scorsese does a really good job in just saying these are two guys who respect each other. They respect each other's position. Uh, not only their position uh, on their opinion, but their position in, of where what their occupation is. Understanding. And they understand where the other guy's coming from, but they just have a genuine disagreement. And they, they go, all right, man, like, I'm sorry, but you know that's yeah. how it is. You make a good point where people try to write in more drama than needed. Once the scene's it. over, you know that Ace is screwed. You know that's this guy is going like, to bear no, Yeah, you didn't need no. to have a guy. Because if he starts yelling at him, it's like, okay, obvious. It's It doesn't matter. Like you said, it doesn't matter if he starts yelling at him or not. Because after the scene is over, he's got the vendetta against the casino. Right. So why try to fill that with fake drama where you can just have two guys have a respectful conversation that is well acted and... Well shot. And this works better, I think, in a way. So. Um, we'll 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 run to a cu- run through a couple here quick um, before we get talking about the big stuff. Uh, Ginger, for the first time, we see that she has a drug yeah, problem. Yeah, we're like thirty She's- minutes into this movie. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> it's so. Uh, I'm gonna run through them. Ginger's got a drug problem. She starts taking Ace's pills. Um, they realize that skimming off of the top is going on in the casino. The bosses want more money. They're pressuring Nikki and Ace to bring in more money. Uh, Nikki begins to silence the possible leaks of the potential downfall of the casino. This is where he shoots that Anna Scott in the head to yeah. cover up her going against uh, the Kevin Pollock character, Andy Which Green. Which is a uh, – that scene could have been shot a lot better in my opinion. Uh, I agree with that. He, like, wraps his left arm around her head and then uses his right arm to shoot her. Like, you, he would have blown his own arm off. Yeah, like, I think so too. 
Yeah, I, th- I thought I thought that was a swing and a miss, especially for Scorsese, who usually does the violence pretty well. Uh, gaming license problem. Uh, Web makes it known uh, that there's a gaming license issue that they're going to go after Ace for his for him not having a license. Uh, great scene that we have to talk about quick. Nick is at Ace's house with Charlie the banker, and this is the first time we see Ace and um, Nikki start to come to blows with with each other, that this is going to start going downhill quickly. Uh, Then we get a murder montage where everybody who dies, Nikki is getting brought in for questioning. And the bosses back home start to feel like Nikki's getting a little crazy. Yeah. Uh, The feds are around watching Nick while he's playing golf, going from place to place. The great scene is uh, two federal agents are watching those guys then play golf from a plane but they run out of gas so they <laughs> land it on the fairway and then just run off and then the guys playing golf and all his buddies are like 500 for the first one to hit the plane and they start <laughs> ripping golf balls at the plane uh then we get the italian import store scene with Pisano. the import store was bugged they were trying to get stuff about a murder from years ago but he starts talking all sorts of shit about vegas and these casinos doing illegal things Ace Rothstein's running the casino without a license. Nikki Santoro's out there doing all sorts of stuff. And now the FBI has everything they need. Following that scene, Ace's gaming license gets denied. So now he's in now he's in jeopardy of losing the casino. Remo, the boss back home, is frustrated with Ace. And he says, Ace better keep a quiet profile or it's time to get out. Mm-hmm. So what does Ace do? He changes his he title. Opens and opens up a television show. Yeah, yeah. And goes on TV and starts bitching about all the politicians in Vegas. So after that, the bosses tell Ace to quit. Andy goes and meets Ace for a chat. And Ace pretty much says, I'm not quitting. So what are they they're gonna have to do? They're gonna have to kill me pretty much. Yeah. Like he is so invested in this. Um, all right. And now we get my favorite scene in the movie. The meeting between the Nick desert. and Ace in the desert the is desert some of the best up. acting yes. I've ever seen. It's phenomenal. And there's just so like these character, like that's where the real split happens. But this is it. They do a good job of showing where each character is coming from. Right. And I love the part. I love the part when Ace says, you know what? Like they're in the heat of the argument. And Ace says, you know, this is, I knew this shit was going to happen. When we when you first came out here and you asked me if you if you could come move out here and I told you it was gonna get really hot like you know like this, yeah. and Nikki denies it and says, yes. "What do you mean? What the, I asked you? Fuck you! You know, yeah. like I come out here because I made you." But earlier in the movie, you literally see that scene where Nikki asks Ace, "Hey, what do you think about me moving out here?" So like you as the viewer know that Ace is correct, right. and he this did happen. But Nikki's just so blinded by the power that he's gained and the influence that he has over the city now that he can't even believe that like he would have ever asked anyone for a favor because he's the guy that everyone comes to. So it kind of just shows you like these two guys have just risen to the top of both of their pillars mm-hmm. and now they're they can't even see each other. Like they're both looking down at the other one instead of seeing each other as equals, like they did for yeah, so long when they, they grew don't up. anymore. Yeah, and the, the, this isn't only just a meeting. Ace thinks he could p- potentially be going out to the desert to be killed, and he yes. says that in the voiceover. He says, "Before this meeting, I would give myself a ninety-nine point nine 
out of a hundred chance that I'd come out of the meeting. Okay. Today I give it 50, 50 and he yeah. goes to meet Nick and the cinematography and the shooting by Scorsese in this scene it's are great. legendary. It's so good. The shot of Nikki's car approaching and Ace's glasses is awesome. Um, so we see them more at odds now inside the casino at, or maybe it's not even at a casino. It looks like it's at a nightclub uh, mm-hmm. where they don't say hi to each other. And Nikki is pissed about it. He's like, I grew up with this guy and he won't come over and say hi to me because they're supposed to be keeping their distance from each other. Uh, mm-hmm. So people don't. But tie I think them that's together. just another like that's just another thing where like Ace is a careful, calculated right. guy. He right. says, if we're not Nick- supposed to be seen to each other. I'm not going to go say hi to you. And like, Nikki's that's like, not how, fuck that. Come fuck over that. and say like, hi to me. Boys, yeah. So it's an interesting, like, it, it makes you as the viewer kind of, I think as the viewer, you're supposed to side a little more with Ace, but. You end I, up siding with Nikki a little I bit. I think that you see both sides, like you get both sides. Like if, if this is your boy that you grew up with for right. 30, 30 years. years or whatever, and he's not going to come say hi to you, but. You know, if the bosses are saying, don't keep a low profile and keep your distance, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. And then we get the blackjack scene where Nikki's off the reservation. Ace comes down, gives him a $10,000 marker, tells him to get out of the casino before people see him in there. Uh, Ginger wants a divorce. Lester and Ginger take Ace's daughter. And this is uh, nuts. This is and, a nuts scene. And they and they try to run away together. And Ace is like, I'm not having any of that. He tracks them down through some connects. I love that (laughs) because Lester's idea is to hold the kid for ransom. Right. And then take the money and dip and and go to Europe. Yeah. Europe. Yeah. And uh, I just cracked up. There's one scene where they're they're getting in the car (laughs) and he's like, get the fuck out. Like, I'm driving. You're not fucking driving. Get in the passenger side. Yeah. Because she's stoned. And the daughter says something. And he goes, I'm going to send this kid to fucking Bolivia. Yeah. That's great. James (laughs) Woods is really good in this movie. I'm going to send this kid to Bolivia in a fucking box. That's what it is. (laughs) Dude, James Woods is really good in this movie. Like you say, he's such a great ancillary character. Yeah, he's awesome. He really does. Uh, So Ginger and Amy finally return. Um, Sam, uh, uh, Ace, uh, Sam is his real name. Yeah. But Ace is awesome in this scene. He asked her about every penny she spent. He asked her how much money she took. She said, what'd she say? Something like 50 grand or something. He's like, okay. He's like, yeah, it's like three suits. It's like 3000. And even if you got him a nice watch and he don't know what a nice watch is. Yeah. He doesn't know that. So 10, 12 at the max, like you're still looking, you know, it's great. He's like, oh, it's then maybe awesome. your expenses for the weekend, you know, but that's not that. Yeah, he's just, and again, he's calm and collected in all these scenes. Yeah, it's, and then. he's a methodical, he's like a surgical guy. Then we get, this is where, to me, you can see the blow up happening. But the next oh. scene is the blow up is here. Ace catches Ginger on the phone where she's saying she wants Ace killed. And if you use your brain as a viewer, there's only one person she could be talking to on the other end of that phone saying she wants Ace to be killed. And that's Nikki. And Ace knows that. And uh, he throws her out of the house in a scene that's so well acted by Sharon Stone. She's great in that scene. Um, Ginger returns, asks for forgiveness. But in the meantime, we know that Ginger and Nikki have ended the friendship and they have a full-blown affair now. And that Nikki is going to be now her new sponsor, as she calls it. He'll be the one taking care of her. Um, and she has asked Nikki to, at some point, take out Ace, to whack Ace. Um, 
the bosses back home catch wind of this and they say, if Nikki's with Ginger, that ain't going to go. You don't mess around with somebody's wife, especially Ace's wife, who's brought us so much money. Yeah. And this is where we get our third narrator. Frankie narrates for one Frank. quick instant, which is awesome. Um, but Nikki and the gang have completely lost control now. They're considering taking Ace out. And then, then, then we get, this is probably, this is my second favorite scene. Sam finds his daughter tied up, or Ace finds his daughter. Sorry, I keep saying that. Ace finds his daughter tied up at home, and he goes to the Leaning Tower to confront Ginger. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they're, that, that scene is brilliantly acted by De Niro and Sharon Stone. Um, I also wrote this scene, acting, incredible. I hate Ginger. <laughs> she's awful. This was kind of this like. Is, this is, I, I was going to ask you about this. She might be the worst character that we've seen so far. She's Outside of uh, what's his name like. from Heat. Yeah. The most unredeeming character. Oh, she- unredeeming? Her and her and Wayne Grow are pretty close. Pretty close. She's te- a terrible person. She's horrible. even a horrible mother, which makes yes. me think she might be a little worse than Wayne Grow. And she's she is more annoying than the girl I didn't like from Sicario, Emily Blunt and Sicario, whatever. Oh, her. yeah. Well, Emily Blunt's not a scumbag in that no, movie. No, 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 no. I just yeah, meant yeah, on yeah. an annoying she, She's way more annoying. She's a whole, like, I hate I Ginger. Sharon Stone nominated for an Oscar for this role. She's great in this movie. Yeah, because she be. she's so good at playing this awful human. Awful human. I still think Wayne Grow, mm, I don't know. They're both pretty bad. Wayne Grow. Yeah, we we might have to have a ranking system of worst unredeeming. Unre- yeah, worst unredeemable. Uh, so she returns. Oh, so then she leaves and she says she's going back to Nikki. And uh, Ace calls Billy Sherbert, Don Rickles, and he comes over with a shotgun, just strapped, <laughs> waiting for shit to go down in the house. Uh, and he stays Ginger, up like all night with him. All night, just sitting at the bar with the shotgun. <laughs> um, Ginger goes back to the leaning tower, and Nikki kind of has a revelation. He's like, What am I doing? I've been friends with this guy for 35 years. The bosses back home are not happy with me, yes. and I'm doing it all and for, this, for this, this drug psycho, addict. Yeah, this drug addict woman. It so make any sense. And that's where she says, like, she's going to go to the FBI. She's had enough. And Nikki says to Frankie, which is a great scene, he's sitting there like disheveled. He knows that he's made a mistake. And he's like, I fucked up good this time, Frankie. Like he <laughs> like he and that's where Nick gets the gets the revelation that he might not get out of this as well as he once thought. Yeah. And I think that he also realizes that, you know, Ace was right about a lot of stuff, too. And the FBI is the least of his worries, because now yes. he's got the bosses back home, might come out here and just kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ginger returns home, bashes up the car, destroys the lawn, and then she flees to the bank and takes every dollar that Ace had in that the, bank. Yeah. Where the bank manager, like you said, the foreshadowing has now. The uh, bank manager on the phone says, like, there's nothing I, I can do, man. Like, I yeah. Get you, the permission. And Ace has the line, and it's perfect in the, uh, in, the, in the voiceover. He says, the domino started to fall. Paradise. We had it, and we managed to really fuck it all up. Uh, this is where the end of this kind of, this is where it begins to crumble. The bosses decide to start taking people out because there's just too much publicity on the casino with Nikki and Ace. Things are going bad. They're not getting their money. Andy Stone is gone. John Nance is gone. All the Vegas partners are gone. Ginger, Ginger dies from a hot dose, they call it. Uh, 
I she love t- the scene where they they uh the cops shoot that guy with the hero sub. Yeah, that's uh yeah, that's big blue or something they call yeah. him. Yeah. Um, so um that is just so classic Scorsese. Like they freeze frame and just zoom in on this guy's like foil wrapped sub. And I'm like, that's just like, yeah, oh my god, hilarious. So Ginger took two million plus jewels out of that account. Uh, yeah. And when she dies, it says she was left with 3,600 in coins of some like rare coins that she yeah, must have bought. That so was that was only in a few months. She spent 2 million. Yeah. Uh, drugs, dude. Don't do that, drugs, kids. Yeah. PSA from production delay. Don't do drugs. Um, then uh, we, the get, FBI starts coming after everybody after start, she, start yeah. Showing pictures of uh, Nikki Art has yeah, a heart attack. Artie oh. goes down. They start showing pictures of Nick and uh, Ginger to Ace to get him to turn on Nick. And he just like, I don't want See, any parties anymore. I'm out of it. Uh, then we get Ace's car bombing where he claims that it's quote unquote amateur night. He knows that this wasn't a job done by the KC guys, by the bosses back home, that this was only could have been done by one person, mm-hmm. which was once his best friend, that Nikki tried to kill him to get him to not talk or say anything and get him out of the picture. It was a non-approved hit. Nikki pointing out that Sam uh, keeping the head boss. And then we get the, the another voiceover where Nikki points out that Sam was keeping the head bosses happy with money was the greatest insurance policy in the world. And that's the reason the bosses don't have Sam killed in the end. And the car bombing attempt turned out to be an unauthorized hit by Nikki himself. And that is like why the voiceover helps because you're like, well, why didn't they take out Sam, Ace? And it's like, because- He always kept the money flows up, baby. kept coming. And when the heat was on, he didn't roll over on anybody. So then we get the scene, the most- famous scene from this movie the bosses uh frankie all the guys that were in nikki's crew after a few months they that everybody comes out of it okay it seems they meet out in uh the cornfields it seems like in the mid in the, we're back in the midwest somewhere yeah. he's back this is, oh this is also after a trial that all the bosses go on yeah so yeah mention but that. because again ace doesn't roll over on anybody presumably these guys kind of get off and they yeah they get off and, and they and give us a pass. They, yeah so that so that's kind of like where they get they give ace a pass because they whacked all the guys um, that could have yeah. spilled that could have spilled the beans on them and they go out to the cornfield somewhere back in the midwest and nikki's boys the guys that were helping him rob in vegas beat him and his brother dominic with baseball bats and kill him and leave him in the cornfield uh you leave him see it yeah, you leave him alone, Frankie. The kid's still breathing. Uh, and then the end is awesome. We get more. Voice. I love when they go back. They go back to Vegas for a little bit. Yeah, and good. they just talk about. Yeah, I'm the sure when they talk about of Vegas. Uh, yeah, and, and they like, say, like, "Oh, it's like Disney World or something." And the shot of all the seniors just walking in with the blinding, like a light behind them. I was, cr- I crack up, dude. I crack up every time. It's like. Yeah. But it's just, it's just like, uh, of course, because like that's what it, v- Vegas is now, America's yeah, playground. Vegas, he says that the commercial of, Z- of the commercialization of Vegas began. All the old casinos were gone. All the corporations came in. They show uh, the old, which was real footage, the old casinos being blown up for these monstrosities. And like Q said, Disney World for adults. And he says something like, 
while the kids play fake pirates, mom and daddy spend junior's college fund at the tables. Yeah. Then we get a quick glimpse of this house. You're like, oh, is this like the last bullet? And no, we just go in. And San Diego, see- I believe, is the yeah. tag, right? In yeah. San Diego, Ace is sitting there. There's horse racing. He's much older, too. Yes, yeah, so this is clearly years later. There's horse racing going on, and a voiceover comes on. He says, you know, everything turned out pretty good for me. Uh, I can still pick winners, and I can still make money for the guys back home. And the last line of this movie, which is great, and that's that. And, like, it makes it seem like this whole experience wasn't that crazy. Like, he's just like, well, that was my story, and that's that. And that's yeah. how it is. And it's, that's it. All right. So there you have it. Let's, uh, before we get into everything else, before we wrap up the show, we have an ad read, Shane McHugh Visual. Shane McHugh Visuals is a full-service freelance video and photo production house that can suit all your visually creative needs. Whether you're looking to capture, capture a special event, promote your business, or showcase your property, SMV has you covered. You can find them online at shanemchughvisuals.com or on Instagram at shanemchughvisuals, S-H-A-N-E-M-C-H-U-G-H-V-I-S-U-A. LS, ShaneMcQVisuals.com or on Instagram at ShaneMcQVisuals. Okay. Here, I got some did you know for you, Keel. Here we go. Lay it on me. Most of the conversations between De Niro and Pesci were improvised. Scorsese would tell them where to start and where to end. The rest was up to them. I mean, just three legends. That makes total sense. I'm not surprised, but also very impressed. Yes. Marty Scorsese screened a rough cut for Nicholas Pileggi and Frank Lefty Rosenthal, on whom the character played by Robert De Niro is based. So this movie is based on a true story in the old school Vegas. Frank Lefty Rosenthal was very pleased with the film and with De Niro's interpretation of him. When Nicky Santoro is pushed into the hole in the cornfield when he's beaten with the bat, Pesci broke the same rib he broke during Raging Bull. <laughs> Another Get the fuck out of here, really? Yeah, there's a scene in Raging Bull where De Niro's just punching him in the stomach when they're training, and he broke his rib. And uh, it's the so, same rib. Uh, they didn't use a stunt. It's never the same. Yeah, Pesci didn't use a stunt double. Neither did Sharon Stone for the scenes where she's being dragged all over the place. Uh, at the end, Joe Pesci is killed by Frank Vincent. Both actors previously appeared in Goodfellas, where Vincent was killed by Pesci. So there you go. Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci appeared in Goodfellas, A Bronx Tale, Raging Bull, Once Upon a Time in America, The Good Shepherd, and The Irishman. This was the eighth collaboration between De Niro and Pacino, or De Niro and Scorsese. Excuse me. They didn't work again together until just this year with The Irishman, which wow. was their ninth collaboration. Yeah, that's a long. That's a long break. All right, we got some what ifs. Um, Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese dropped out of the movie Clockers. To make this film, Clockers was uh, was later directed by Spike Lee and starred Harvey Harvey Keitel. Uh, both of those movies are insanely different, and I don't think Casino is as great if Scorsese's not directing this movie. I agree. Uh, I mean, nothing is going to be at like <laughs> De Niro is perfect as a as Ace Rothstein. Yes. So, all right, I have some what ifs for you. Michelle Pfeiffer turned down the role of Ginger because it was too similar to her role in Scarface. Go check out that podcast. Q and I have already covered Scarface. Wow, uh, that's interesting. Michelle Pfeiffer would have been good as Ginger. It is like a, literally a very similar character, though, so I totally get it. But um, I would say definitely. I don't know. Yeah, like definitely more of a junkie. Yeah, Elvira is way more likable than Ginger. Yeah, all oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. All right, so listen to this lineup of people that were considered. Nicole Kidman, Melanie Griffith, Renee Russo, Cameron Diaz, Uma Thurman, 
uh, were all considered, along with Michelle Pfeiffer, for the role of Ginger. Tracy Lords was seriously considered after an excellent audition. Madonna, uh, let's see, isn't Tracy Lords? Before I continue, I think Tracy Lords is, uh, yeah, she's not that big of an actor, actress at all, but she must have obviously had a very good audition. Madonna was almost cast, but Sharon Stone at the last minute convinced director Martin Scorsese to give her the role before giving it to Madonna. Jeez. I think I think Madonna would have been interesting. I think Nicole Kidman would have been awesome. I think Renee Russo would have been good, and I think Uma Thurman would have been good. I don't see. I think that role is too meaty for Cameron Diaz, who I think sucked yeah, yeah. in a in a later Scorsese movie, Gangs of New York. I thought she was horrible in that movie. Uh, so I think they got it right. I think Sharon Stone knocks it out of the park. Yes, do I think a couple of these other actresses could have, could have done, done it? it? I agree. That's, yes, I, but I mean, fair. Sharon Stone is incredible in this movie. Like it's. This is probably acting. her best role. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not even close. And she got a, a nominated and well-deserved. Would you have recasted anybody in this movie? Um, I mean, I love... Ace can't be anyone but De Niro. No, Pacino could have uh, been... Uh, been uh, Pacino could have been Nikki. Nikki, yes. Yes. At that time, for sure. For that sure. was right in the heat days. Yeah, that would have yeah. been fun. Pacino could have been Nikki. Um... I'm trying to think who else was hot at the time. I think someone else could have played Nikki. But I think I Pacino's know. the guy because I think you do need somebody that you think is Italian or at least has that yeah, type of... Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so... I don't think he would have great, taken it. You know? I don't think he would have taken it, but like uh, the Kevin Pollack character I think could have been played by like a... Uh, by like... Um, a Tom Cruise, but Tom Cruise is way too big of an actor to do like a secondary role in a movie. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, somebody like that, like a good looking type of like, uh, I don't know who else I was trying to think of in that role. Maybe like, um, cause this, he's just like a, he's kind of an ancillary character as well. Yeah. I don't think you could get a big star uh, for, but it is a Scorsese movie. So you never know. What about the, what about the Lester diamond character? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like like mostly, he's really good. Like, if they he, went, what's if they went, really good? If they went younger, I think you could have seen like a Johnny Depp type maybe in that in that in that role. Yeah, but I think you need a guy like kind of that age to try yeah. to try to show his like manipulative ability over the younger woman who was like a prostitute for him. Uh, yeah, I think that De Niro's probably uh, De Niro and Stone are the two you can't recast. Everybody else could have been someone else Here's i think one. the movie's awesome and it like it everything works i don't think i don't think anywhere falls flat but i do think that there are some like mostly every other role could have just been some other actor who like whoever the runner-up was i'm sure would have it wouldn't have affected the movie at all what if about the what two... about gene hackman as a as a lester diamond yeah that might have been interesting yeah yeah because like that's what I mean. Like, I think that Ace and Ginger have to be De Niro and Stone. That that can't be changed. Otherwise, I don't. I think you could change the roles around, and the movie doesn't suffer. Right, and I think like that's not taking anything away from Woods or Pesci because they're both no, 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 no. This movie, and I don't think there's. I don't think there's two other people that could have played that role, but I could probably give you one for each. I would go yeah. Pacino and Hackman. Probably would be my mm -hmm. two, but. I don't know if it makes it better. I just think they could potentially. Yeah. Play. And at that time, I don't know if Pacino would have played it 
the way Pesci played it. So I think it, it, it ended up working pretty well. Um, all right. What doesn't work for you or how do, how will this film hold up? I want your words on that. And then we'll, then we'll rate this bad boy. Uh, I got two things that don't work, which is in a, you know, pretty limited amount yeah. of stuff. Uh, one, I, I do think it's a little too long. Mm-hmm. I think the story itself, it's almost like two movies. Uh, like in the beginning, it's like all about these guys rising to power and how they're how they act differently and, and whatnot. And like it seems like they're coming for a crash course, and then it splits back again, and you have the fallout of all that. I think the initial part of that movie could have been sped up a little. I think the back half is where is the is the meat. The back half is the juice of the of the film. I the think action the, is I the think, juice. Yeah, the action is the juice. So I think that just some of the some of the character development early on could have been glossed over a little faster. If and this is I, anybody else's movie, they go through that part quicker. But because yes. it's a Scorsese because it's movie, Scorsese, you know you're getting that. You know you're getting that. Um, and then my only other thing is. Uh, all the gunshot special effects bad. are are bad, and it's like this movie came out the same year as Heat. Yeah, and Heat is like the special effects in Heat are awesome for gunshots and explosions, and in this movie, it's like I don't know, it's like uh, ugh, like this is it. It take it takes you out of it for a second. Even the so, car bombing with Ace is not good. Yeah, so uh, that that was just one thing that like kind of didn't work for me. And you know what's weird about it? The the special effects in Goodfellas, like the violence in Goodfellas is awesome. And this is five years after Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't, I don't I, know if they yeah, used somebody know. else. That That's just something we can look up after. Different studio for effects or something. Yeah. Or a different makeup artist or whatever they were using, yeah. but it was different. Yeah, I agree with that. What doesn't work for me is the scene in the back of the courtroom with the bosses, the meeting. Mm-hmm. The guy that plays Remo is very good. But all the other guys are very bad actors. And you can tell they were just like old Italian guys that they just grabbed off of like the streets wherever they were filming and plugged yeah. them into those roles. It's like Scorsese's yeah. uncles. Yeah, because like <laughs> even their their lines seem very like amateur. Limited. And, yeah. and they only have one line, but it's like, what do you think, Remo? And like he looks over at him and I just wish they put yeah. somebody else better in that. I'm going to try not to even judge that in like the when we judge the acting because it's like five seconds. But yeah. I think I might have to take it into consideration because it isn't perfect, but it's pretty good. So that would be what doesn't work for me. Um, I think this film holds up incredibly well because it's a story of power, greed, a downfall, casino, gambling, which is always going to be relevant. So I think it'll hold up forever. I, I think agree. And this I, is it makes no. Um, it, it's told in a retrospective way, so it makes no illusion that this is present day. Right. It and like it, makes, it has yeah. a setting. Like this is the late seventies or whatever in Las Vegas. That's where this takes place. So right. there's no like, well, today this is how things happen and it's you know no, this is the five years later. Right. Yeah, yeah, like so that's why Scarface too, same thing. They're like they establish like this is this time and place. Right. So and so, really you can get away with more when you do that when making a movie because no one's really gonna when yeah. this movie's seen in thirty years, <laughs> no one's gonna check it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh all right, buddy, let's do it. Let's rate it. Let's rank it. All right, so you gotta give me uh your directing. 
What do you got? Nine. A nine. I'm going to give it an eight. I think it's really good. Scorsese, obviously, you know, one of, if not the best director of the last half century. Uh, I don't know if there's anything in it that truly, like, blew me away, but i give it an eight. I think every shot is done perfectly. I think the way he he drags Mm -hmm. the camera through the casino, I think the angles he takes at shots, I think the places he has people set up, it's not a 10. It's not Coppola in The Godfather, but that's what I base my rating on. If it's if 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 Coppola's a 10, this is pretty the thing, close. So I and I'll, I'm skipping some categories ahead of here. I'm going to give the cinematography a nine because of all that. Mm-hmm. I think the direction in terms of like some of the decisions he made, in addition to what we just talked about, uh, like, you know, the, the, what focused on in character development and the speed at which it unfolds. Yeah. Loses just one point from me. Nothing crazy. See, I enjoy that. Like I know, like I like that long type of film, so it never really bothers me. So I, uh, that's why I'll give it a nine. What did we just do? Cinematography. I, yeah, I jumped ahead. If you no, want, I, I'm gonna give it a nine. So yeah, whatever. I'm gonna give it a nine for cinematography as well. I think some of the shots in this movie are beautiful, and he, you have to remember, he's doing Vegas in the '70s. This movie's filmed in '95, and this is before the big green screens and everything. Uh-huh. He gives you shots of 70s Vegas with just phenomenal set direction and exactly. just little things where you couldn't recognize that it's the 90s. It's incredibly done. Whoever the cinematographer was on this. Yeah. Along with it's, Scorsese, it's really good. It's really, really good. The shots inside the casino, the shot of his glasses. I mean, it's just awesome. Nine. Uh, writing and script. Uh, well, we just learned that a lot of the lines were improvised. Uh, I think the story is very good, but I don't think it's like as well written as Goodfellas or something like that. Um, so I'm going to give the story a seven. I'm going to go with a seven as well. A uh, lot of good dialogue. Yes. Uh, story is good, but it's not anything insanely innovative. Like no. you just said, it's a story. The reason why it holds up is because it's a story about money and power and greed and sex and you know all that stuff but it's not anything out of the ordinary well i've always said this about movies you there will always be room for a rise and fall type of story because it's interesting but it has to be done well and if it's not done well then it loses Mm -hmm. but this is done well but it's not the best i've ever seen uh acting Goddamn, this is pretty high. Uh, the, the Literally, the only poor acting performance in this movie is those old guys at the back of the room having the meeting at the end of the movie. Every secondary character is awesome. Every main character... The main, awesome. the, main, the main characters are a 10 for me. The old guys in the back of the room are like a 4, and the, the middle-of-the-road guys are great. So I can't go 9, but I'm going to go 8 with the acting. You're going to go eight. I'm also going with an eight. I think that... The old guys brought it down from a nine to an eight. It's just... I think everybody across the board is so good. Stone is incredible. She's the best in this movie. Yes. I think. Not even close. She's um, a uh, I think that I would have gave it a nine if if De Niro was the best actor in this movie. But it's because the lead is not the best one, I got to knock it just one to an eight. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, set and production design. Nine. Just incredible. Incredible. Dude, 
I, I, I said on this show, I probably won't give out many tens other than a couple if we do this. Mm-hmm. Because I do think Goodfellas does like a little better job on the Scorsese scale in a couple of these. So they could be tens. But let me tell you something. The places they are, the houses, the casinos, the offices are incredible. And they're so locked right into that era. That era, yeah. Uh, I'm. I'll go with the nine as well. It's yeah. the. This is. This is to me the best set and production design of any movie that we've reviewed so far. Not even close. I agree with you 100. percent Um, you gave Scarface a nine as well. Yeah. Oh, but, I did. But that's that is well done too. This is better. This. This is, is better, I think. So yeah. I guess I should have given Scarface an eight because this yeah, is. well. You're good. It's our. It's our. It's our gut reaction <laughs> at the time. Um, costume design, hair, and makeup. Hmm. Am I giving my first 10? Because it's fucking close. It's so good uh, in this movie. Holy shit. Especially for a movie that's not like heavy makeup. You know, it's not like people in giant science fiction. No, no, no. But like yeah. the period piece makeup and the costumes. Mm-hmm. How didn't this get nominated for an Oscar for best costume design? I uh, don't know. I'm going to give no the idea. costume design a nine. A nine. He's, uh, I'm going to give it an eight. I think that De Niro alone to me is De Niro alone is awesome, but I don't know if that's uh, like Sharon Stone's dresses in this movie. Yeah, they're crazy good. They're crazy good, but I think that they in this in this instance, I think they focus a lot on a couple characters and make their design incredible. But I think a lot of other the other characters who are incredibly well acted just kind of just like. I don't know. They're just in suits. Yeah, or they're in whatever they're. I don't know. It's very Give good. Me Give me an eight. You're right. Give me an eight. You're going to You're an right. eight. You're right. I, I sold You're, you. You sold me. Well, I, I don't know. I'm like uh, that's the thing. Like De Niro's is incredible, but like, can you tell me what Pesci wore in this movie? Nothing incredible. That's why. Yeah. I'm in- so right. like, yeah, like so. But it's I think way it's, better than average. Oh, for sure. And I think that if we had. If we had something like if you if we just had like two or three more characters that had individual styles that were recognizable, then I bumped it up. But yeah, I agree. With um, that. Soundtrack and score. The soundtrack is beautiful. The score is beautiful. I love this soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> I think it's an eight for me. It's really good. It's definitely above average. I don't think it's entering the territory of like Drive, where it's like. Everything's stuck in your head, and it's. Uh, I can't give it a. I'm going to give it an eight. I can't I give it a nine. Yeah, I think it's used, used very well. Yeah, it's used brilliantly. Um, but I don't think that it's used in a way. Like I gave yeah, drive. I, was, I gave not... drive a ten for this because the movie uses the sound. To progress certain scenes, but this soundtrack is great. And this is this soundtrack is great. I'm going to give it an eight because I can think of a couple where I like the soundtrack better. Like I don't mean to compare it, but you have to Goodfellas has a better soundtrack than this. I gave Scarface an eight too. And I think it, they're very similar. Yeah. In terms I think of how the, it, it's going. I think they're both used very well. I, I, I mean, if we're going based on quality of music, uh, you know, casino has better songs, but the soundtrack in Scarface is used excellently. Yes. Yes. Um, Visual, practical, and special effects. I'm going to give it a six. 
Yeah, I'm going to give it a five. The, the, like we talked about, the things that fall short. But the head me, in the vice is good. The head in the vice, I mean, it's a fun scene. Uh, I, I don't know, like nothing was really. The hand breaking? The only thing, yeah, the things that, the things that are visual and practical effects in this movie, I literally wrote down like, wow, that was bad. So I gotta go. I'm running. I'm running middle. It doesn't take away really for anything because it's not part of the storytelling. It's just kind of like, oh, this is happening. This guy's getting shot. Oh, like the scene where the guy's walking out of the bank and those dudes shoot him with a silencer in the back of his head. He just faints and that's it. Like there's no explosion. There's no blood from like yeah. So I was gonna give it a four or five, but uh, the hand breaking scene is actually very good. Yeah, it's a good scene. Um, All right, uh, cultural significance. Uh, to me, it's an eight. This an eight. isn't as culturally significant as Goodfellas because everyone references it, but on terms of Vegas casino movies, it's right up there. And I also think that uh, it's a movie that this is kind of this is an interesting cultural significance thing because it's like this is not a movie that you I would say first think of when you hear Pesci, De Niro. And or Scorsese's name. Right. There's all there. There are movies that you think when you hear that guy's name, you think about other movies before this one. For sure, Goodfellas. Um, but, and I just mean those guys individually, not together. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay, I get you. Yeah. So, like, if you just say De Niro, it's like you don't think a Casino you right think, off the bat. No, you think Goodfellas, Raging Bull, that yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. Taxi um, Driver. So, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm torn. I'd love to give it a 7.5. I think I'm going to go with a 7 because it all. the only reason I'm – I'd love – like I said, I'd like to be in the middle there. The only reason I'm going to drop it down is because it doesn't have the quotability that some other movies that are on par with it have. No, and I agree with that. There's not as many quotable <laughs> lines. But if you want to learn about Vegas in the 70s from that type of cultural impact, for sure, for this sure. is a good movie to go check out. Uh, and then finally, entertainment value. It's a nine for me. This movie is extremely entertaining from start to finish. If you enjoy the casino business, if you enjoy Vegas, if you enjoy this genre of film, it's entertaining from start to finish. And what this movie does great, which a lot of long movies fail to do, is there's really no low point. I wasn't bored at any point during this entire mm. movie. So I'm mm. going to give it a nine. I am going with an eight. Uh, very entertaining, still above, definitely above average. Uh, I just don't think it's in the, uh, like I gave Scarface a nine. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's in the nine. For me, it's not in the entertaining of the nine category. This movie is more rewatchable for me than Scarface. In Scarface, we talked about this. There's a couple lulls in action, mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. even there's not constant action in Casino. They keep my interest enough by showing me Vegas, by showing me doing you, yeah, other things, all this yeah. other stuff that to me is interesting. So that's why I'm going to give it a nine. All right, all right, uh, and that brings us rating to a close here, Kevin. Mm. This Casino is your highest ranked individual film. Uh, it also, uh, you have given this movie an 81 or 8.1. Yep, I agree. On our scale. Uh, that also ties the highest individual ranking, mm-hmm. which is my, I gave Drive an 8.1. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am giving this movie Casino a 7.7. Yes. 
which gives us a 7.9, which ties it with Scarface for our highest ranked. Wow, we've got a tie ball game. We've got a tie ball game. Atop the production delay rankings. Wow, that's interesting. Incredible. Incredible. Um, All right, there it is. I I think think that makes sense, though. I think we did a good job with that one. I felt good about it. I think that Scarface and Casino are... On very, par. very similar, on par, excellent films. I agree with that. Um, this podcast was brought to you by Procrastination Sports. You can check out Procrastination Sports online at procrastinationsports.com, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Procrastination Sports. Uh, you can find our podcast along with Coming in Hot in the Corner Booth online uh, on Spotify, and you can visit the blog at procrastinationsports.com. Shane. Are we announcing what we are doing next? Are we, are we gonna actually going to do it? Because I'm we're so gonna excited. Do it. We're, we're going gonna to do, do it. All right, guys, we're in for another three-hour <laughs> You're so movie. excited. Um, Tell them, what are we doing? Uh, we're doing a movie by probably the greatest filmmaker since Martin Scorsese. How about Debatable, that for a yeah. hot take? I don't, I don't think it's that hot. Uh, this guy good. named Christopher Nolan. You may have heard I've of him. Never we're doing him. a movie that I've been begging Kevin to watch for years uh i believe it came out in 2014 so when did i meet you 2016 mm-hmm. for four years i've been asking him to watch this movie and what i need you to do is i uh please make your uh production delay uh right up after the movie i will because so you're gonna lead the conversation then next week i'll i'll lead the conversation okay perfect but i need you i need you to watch the movie without I, I think I've warned you this before, but there there are some surprise things that happen, yes. and I, I just do not want you going in with any kind of expectation or what it is. I'm going to watch it on my 70-inch television set, yeah, to, humble to, brick. To break the uh, tension here, we're going to watch Interstellar. Yes! Interstellar is happening. Shane, you're going to lead the conversation. That's what I we should do. Wait. I can't Whenever wait. you pick. So I pick this. So what we do, as we've described, Shane gives me a list. I give him a list. We pick it, and that's the movie we're going to do. So Shane gave me this on his list. I promised him I would watch this for six years, five years, whatever it's been, and I haven't, so I'm going to watch it. I own. I borrowed his copy of the Blu-ray and had it for about nine months to a year. Um, <laughs> I moved away down south from New York. I took it with me. We met up in Boston for a weekend, and I brought the copy back to him. I wasn't going to take that from you, so I'm glad that's you good. have it. I'm going to watch it on the 70-incher, um, and I will. Yeah. I promise you I'll do my notes after. Do your notes after, or, or you know, like write along. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I'm don't gonna watch do the write up. Don't go to IMDb. Don't go to Wikipedia. Don't look at the thing. Okay. Uh, if you I'll can, I'll do it all after. I'll do it all after. I yeah. promise you that. Um, Matthew he, McConaughey, though. I mean, this is this is right in the McConaughey's. This is in the McConaughey's. This is this is dead center of the McConaughey's. This is another movie that I am going to be able to see for the first time, which I'm excited about. I like doing very, that on the show. Um, so, do you have a quote to wrap up our... Because you've been on a streak of giving yeah, us some good ones. I got ones. it. I got it. And I'm go glad ahead. that you said how the movie ends with... Um, what does he say? Like, it is what it is? Or what, he says something at the end of the movie. And that's that. And that's that. There's a line right before that that you didn't say, which I love. And that's... Uh, why mess up a good thing? We'll be back next week with another episode of Production Delight. Thanks, everybody. We love you.